0: Welcome to the show where three friends rate, debate, and investigate the films you'll love to see and hate to see. This is You'll Love to See It. Welcome back to another episode of You Love to See It. I am joined here today with my two friends, Eric Zhu and Caleb Brunman. How are you boys doing today?
1: I'm disappointed that for the second straight week, there was no uh, gap left for the Eric pause.
0: (laughs) I don't leave pauses anymore. I'm trying to get through life pretty quickly. Yeah? Yeah.
2: Yeah. I mean... <laughs> you're gonna create it's
0: artificial pauses.
2: You know, Eric, whatever pauses
0: you create, I will just edit out. Like I have the power. Here. Edit.
2: T- the-
0: <laughs> oh, All right, yeah, I won't. I on. won't edit them out. I'll, I'll let it. I'll let it remain. Just Eric wait here.
2: till I do the intro. <laughs> just wait. <laughs> oh,
0: god, I'm gonna have. To, you're gonna really make my job hard. All right. Well, uh do you guys know? By the way, can you believe we're already about a quarter of the way through 2021? Isn't that crazy? Isn't it? Don't Stop with the (laughs) pause. The reason I was thinking about that is because I was looking at, so one of my, um, I talked about uh, this with you, Eric, one of my New Year's resolutions is to watch 100 films. And I'm at 32. Let's uh, go. As of right now, which is already on pace to easily beat what I've, my previous was like 60. So this is, this is going to be the year. And it's so funny because then I was thinking, I was like, dude, Eric's probably already like halfway to like 400. He's probably seen uh, like 100, 200 films already. You've definitely seen almost 100, right?
2: I've definitely Definitely seen more
0: than 100. Over 100 100 already? That's crazy. It's
2: not about the numbers. It's not. It's
0: not. But I'm just saying it's pretty wild. Um,
2: Zach, I have a question for you. What's up? What's in your freezer?
0: What's in my freezer right now?
2: Yeah, I I want to know.
0: My freezer um there's some ice trays. Um some some uh tater tots, some like breakfast potatoes, um some like veggies, some stir fry veggies actually. I was going to make a stir fry this week.
2: Stir um, Friday?
0: not tonight unfortunately, but uh maybe Are you doing a next question. Stir next Friday. What's up? Are you sure? Am I sure? Yeah. I mean, I'd have to go look. It's like right over there. I mean, I, I could go look.
1: Zach, why when somebody asks you what's in your freezer, why was your first
0: response ice trays? Um, because I was thinking about ice because freezers are cold and ice, you know. Uh, is there any ice in the ice tray? Yeah, I think they're I just filled them up recently. Oh. What are yeah. you going to use the ice for? Well, I, I usually use them for drinks, you know, things like that. What kind of Ooh. drinks? Uh, all yeah, all kinds refreshing of people. glass of lemonade um yeah i don't really drink much lemonade but i guess more for cocktails honestly mm. um all, Virgin these, of course. all these i mean all these 21 year olds in this podcast that's true that's true um why <laughs> is there a point to ask me what's in my freezer
2: no just that i think you should check
0: oh okay okay well i'm glad um well do you mind if i ask you a question I definitely check do you mind if yeah. I, i'm now i'm a little scared to go check my freezer um <laughs> The question of the week, Eric, is uh, is simple. What is a movie you've recently seen and uh, what was your rating of it? I'm going to I'm actually going to start first. So basically, I was asking myself the question because I have a good one for Eric. Um, Eric, I just recently watched a film, in fact, on Monday night that I gave four and a half stars to as good film, an amazing film. That really blew my socks off. In fact, many body parts were blown off in, in it, this oh, film. Did you say um,
2: it wiggled your toes? Yeah, I I, <laughs> I,
0: I I wiggled my own toes after watching this film. Uh, I watched Kill Bill Volume 1, and let me say. Uh,
2: let's go. Emma
0: Thurman can make me run home to my mommy any day. Um, great, great movie, and um, wow, it was an experience, you know? I honestly didn't think I was going to like it. But the movie is so over the top that it doesn't hold back. It's just like it it is so out there that it never like it never stops being so out there. And that's what makes it so good. I'm a little nervous about the second one. Um, I think people still really like to see it again. But I I have to say, as someone that actually hasn't seen a lot of Quentin Tarantino, you know, most notably, I haven't seen Pulp Fiction. um, I, I really enjoyed Kill Bill you know it was i would easily say it's my favorite quentin tarantino film as of right now so oh. yeah after that you better check your freezer <laughs> <laughs> all right what have what have you boys seen this week
2: well this week i revisited the hunger games mockingjay part 1 and i just got to i just got to say in full seriousness best war movie of the 2010s really yeah How it's, all, bad it's bad honestly not even close class. it's not even close it's so good and I, if you cut that pause out so that's part I'll one in my army after you <laughs> that's part one yeah part one
0: um did you did you just randomly watch part one or did you, were you guys um, going we've been through, been through, the whole
2: through them time? in our commune if you want to call it <laughs> 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 um we've been going through the not it we've been going through the franchise <laughs> although i guess people might be going through it i, I don't know um <laughs> oh i think you went to check his freezer oh no, i didn't check my freezer um
0: <laughs> so let me ask you this eric exactly you um, you just check your freezer
2: yeah what was in the freezer
0: i didn't check my freezer um but i'm glad you guys keep checking in just in case i do go eventually check my freezer you sure? i thought um, i heard- i love that we're spending this much time like we really just don't want to get to um our the mole agent but um you know we'll keep talking about this I actually i do have a question because it's relevant to what you said what is your order like how would you rank the hunger games movies like what of the four movies best yeah. to worst start with I mean, their the first their two world. and the
2: last two are like clearly different totally. but Mocking Jay Part One and Catching Fire are both very good. Like Catching Fire just has the budget for the spectacle of the games, whereas Mocking Jay Part One is like serious trauma, you know? Like that's PTSD. And like everyone being used as like a like a prop.
0: So what's the worst worst one?
2: The worst one is Mocking Jay Part two. And the other three are all very good. I feel like those movies are slammed. Kale, do you agree,
0: you agree with
1: that? I, I actually, <clears throat> I, I had Mockingjay Part 1 rated third best before this slew of rewatches. But now that we've we've gone through it, <laughs> uh, <laughs> yeah. my order is Catching Fire, Mockingjay Part 1, The Hunger Games, and Mockingjay Part 2.
2: Interesting that you gave Mockingjay Part 1 a higher rating than Catching Fire.
1: Yeah, because Catching Fire is my second favorite.
2: You, no, but you just said Catching Fire, then Mocking Jay Part 1. Yeah,
0: yeah, you did. Oh,
2: did it. I say that? Yeah, yeah, you, sorry. I, you should no, you, go check your Oh freezer. my
0: God. <laughs> Excuse me. Part you 1, know, Catching Fire, Hunger Games Part 2. What's funny is I have right now, it's been a while, I've seen it a few times, the whole thing. I would definitely have Mocking Jay Part 1 and 2 as my third and fourth movie. Um, <laughs>
2: Mm. Uh, I'm interested because mm. the first back, time around, I, sucker, I, again, I have I, just, I have some things to say to you. Well, that's funny because the first time my name I watched, is Katniss Everdeen, <laughs> and you'll be okay. <laughs> the
0: first few times I watched it, I'm not a big fan of part one. I mean, I'm I'm wondering why it clicked with you guys more through the rewatch. Zach, um, exactly. just go to the part of the movie where
1: everyone in District 13 says "Hoorah!" <laughs> <and
0: you're> like, <laughs> Um, I would definitely say Catching Fire is my favorite, um, because- Turn it's, your it's,
2: weapons to the capital. <laughs>
0: <laughs> it's a good series. Do you think, this is, a, you know, this should be a question for another day, but real quick, and then we will get into the mole agent. Do you think, um, actually, I want to hear Caleb's movie, too. So, um, do you think The Hunger Games is the best movie book? Like, a best movie series made off of books? Um... Because there's not many good ones, I'll be honest. Um, I guess Harry Potter is is based off the books, so
2: yeah. I haven't. I've honestly. They're both better than Lord of the Rings.
0: Really? Are you serious?
2: You know, I hate Lord of the Rings.
0: (laughs) I thought you liked it, but hated The Hobbit.
2: Oh no, I hate them all.
0: Oh, you okay? Okay.
2: Opportunity hater. But wait, I
0: thought you you rated um Return of the King really high, didn't you? Or was that just a high higher that's of the, the
2: highest one? I think that's the only one greater than two stars, maybe or two. Wow, and a
0: half. interesting. Okay, but you not. both you both would say I like. Harry Potter. You I've both never would seen say-
2: those. I would say Twilight. I've never seen them.
0: You would both say Harry Potter though.
2: Yeah, but Hunger Games has the craziest American.
0: Let movie. me ask you a question, Eric. Is Game of Thrones better than Harry Potter? No. Okay. Yeah. I was just curious. Yeah. Come on, like okay, overall, yes. Come on. <laughs> like in terms of adapting from the books and make, being successful on screen, ignore the last season or whatever. I know people hate of Game of Thrones, but like I was just wondering what you guys yeah, think Game of, of
1: Thrones has a weaker finish, but come on, it's it's obviously I don't know
0: about that. I'll be honest, I'm gonna get flamed for this, but I don't like Harry Potter. So like I, I just don't I've, I've never even okay, seen all the things stop talking right now and and break your freezer did
2: you you see so you haven't read them and you haven't seen i've never
0: i've never read any of them them if you haven't seen them i have i've seen some of them i've seen some of them exactly
2: see see
0: i've seen i've seen the first one i've seen the very very last one i've seen the one where they where there's time travel um
2: now I'd be worried. I'd be so worried. Seen- <laughs> <How are
0: you? laughs> Dude, I'm gonna be in trouble for this. People hate the fact. People who love I mean, Harry not Potter- not
2: the comments, like that's one thing. But the freezer, like, you
0: don't want <laughs> stop with me. the freezer stuff. Oh my god! All right. Well, before we move on, Caleb, what was the movie you watched recently? Well, uh,
1: speaking of communes. And I can't believe we haven't discussed this on the podcast, but not this week, but uh, but very recently, Eric and I watched uh, *Satin Tango*. Oh, we did forget another that. book based. Excuse me, another movie based on a book, and definitely one with a commune. <laughs> it's known for being quite long. Uh, it's about seven and a half hours, almost almost seven and a half hours, and. We watched it because we were interested in the art of it, and that's <laughs> the only reason. And did you guys so actually
0: like it? it?
2: Yeah.
1: Yeah.
0: What? Who? Who watched it all? Did you, Did everyone?
1: Everyone. Everyone sat through the whole movie. Are everyone you
0: serious? It. Wow. That's dedication.
1: Damn. I mean. It's because we had an empty freezer. What else were we going to
0: do? No, oh my stop with this freezer stuff. I, You guys come on to this podcast. I feel so. Do you guys know what this does to me? This makes me sad. I come on every week. All right. And you guys have some new reference that I don't get. And you're just you're, you're <laughs> you, you know, you're putting me in the freezer. I, I don't even know if that makes sense. But uh, either way. You know? I think that was
2: a very I think that I thought that was a very artful metaphor <laughs> know, <it's> not, yeah. <laughs> Oh my gosh. all right.
1: wanted well, I I, to be honest I thought you were gonna
0: Jerry the metaphor but <laughs> <laughs> okay. Well, hey Caleb since since you love talking about metaphors, um, I want you <laughs> to talk more by introducing the mole agent
1: <laughs> Caleb pause. in the mole agent, Eighty-three-year-old Sergio is sent into a nursing home to investigate some potential wrongs. That's about it. He doesn't really do much investigation. <laughs> he kind of just like exists there for for a bit and then leaves. That's that's. That's the mole agent.
2: I like those pauses.
1: Yeah, I learned from the best. Don't worry, they'll be cut out. What?
2: God, you no, just put them rhythm like that? The <laughs> yeah, rhythm I wouldn't do podcast? it. I wouldn't do it. <laughs> yeah,
0: I don't know. Oh, to, be honest, Keep that part in. <laughs> to be honest, I was <laughs> when we were when we were getting ready for the podcast, I was thinking, what the hell am I gonna say about the mole agent? Um, I i'm not i, I wasn't a pause fan there, Zach. I, <laughs> I i'm gonna say that i i just wasn't really a fan um and I really expected it to be something I was interested in like really kind of interested in kind of getting this in depth analysis into or this in depthness <laughs> whatever into depth
2: not what i would call this movie <laughs> no i know, that's, I what know, saying. I know I was...
0: that's what i thought I would be getting um I also have some, I also, I feel like I'm missing something. And maybe you guys can fill in these holes for me because I really don't. Okay. So he's sent there as part of this investigation, right? And it's supposed to be this spy like thing, but then there's cameras everywhere. So is this like, is the story like a lie? Is it like, I'm, I'm just confused. Like maybe I'm just an idiot, but like, I'm just, I'm I'm not understanding. I I, I just kept thinking the whole time if they're supposed to be doing this secretly and supposed to be like capturing what's going on in this home, why are there high definition, giant cameras and boom mics everywhere? Am I missing it? Like, is it not actually supposed to be a private investigation? Like that was just like, It's like, like a documentary of a documentary it's like a it's like an inception type thing like they're they're fooling it like i just don't i don't know what I was missing like maybe I'm missing that like maybe it wasn't supposed to be about this investigation. it was supposed to be more actually like i didn't I didn't know if what I was watching was staged or if it was truly a documentary. that's what I was confused about
2: um I assumed that the stupid ass glasses stuff was fake but um yeah I mean if if it's real I don't know if I like it more or less I don't know if I it would make me like it more but it could make me like it less I just Um,
0: like because like the idea is like I expected especially at the beginning I was like okay so we're going to be getting some real like we're gonna gonna find out what it's like. I thought like, honestly, in my head, if you wanna know the truth, I thought it was just like this scandal thing. I was like, we're gonna get some in-depth like analysis of what it's like in a nursing home. Because to be completely honest with you, nursing homes are not great places. I have had family in nursing homes and I know firsthand how terrible they can be. Like they can be awful. And so when this this idea was presented, I thought it was gonna be a lot of hidden cameras, a lot of, I don't know, that was just what I was expecting. And then they have the shots towards the beginning of like them clearly like the old people clearly seeing the cameras and like being quiet around them and pointing them out. So you're like, okay, so this is a test thing. And then they're going to leave. But then the whole time they're there, I just, I don't know what I'm missing. Am I, am I, am I missing something?
2: I think they just weren't confident in my brain, not knowing whether the investigation was true. I think they just weren't confident in making a movie about old people in a nursing home. So they shoehorned in the because yeah. I
0: think the idea could be interesting. I mean, do you I mean, do you agree at least? Maybe both of you can answer this question. Do you think that there's potential here? Like, I mean, I think I mean, whether or not it needed to be tied to this this storyline at the beginning. Do you think there's potential? I because I think there is. I think there's it's a it's a very untapped source, almost like how you know Dick Johnson is dead, very, very complete different film um and documentary, but I thought getting this perspective into these people who are on the end of life. You know, they've been through 80, 90 years of life, getting to see what it's truly like in a nursing home, what it's truly like, you know, behind the scenes, maybe like I, I don't know. I don't know if I was thinking of this being like a scandal movie, like let's open the public's eyes to what happens. But I it just turned into not that it was just like people. And like, I couldn't help but feeling that it was very fake. Like I I didn't, I couldn't tell how much of it was real and how much of it was like genuine or or how much of it was like, like not genuine, like just put together. I I don't know. Maybe that's the point. Maybe I'm supposed to be in that state. I feel like. But I don't think that's a good thing. Caleb, you're not saying much.
1: Uh, yeah, like on the contrary of, uh, is it this or is it this? Maybe that's the point. Like to me, I just either way you you look at it, I don't think it matters. Uh, or I don't think one interpretation or one intention is going to enhance the movie. I think the the product is what it is, and what it is is not. What one would hope that it is.
0: (laughs) Okay, so let's talk about that. What what were the biggest shortcomings? I want to hear from you, Caleb, first, and then Eric. What were the biggest shortcomings? And then we'll 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 wrap back around and say what we what what we gotta give some positives. But I want to hear what what was what was not what you expected or not. Yeah,
1: I'll leave the positives to you, Zach. Um, Yeah, first of all, the the investigation is is ridiculous uh it's not it's, it's basically dropped for most of the movie and maybe just brought up for a few moments to remind you that oh yeah we have this narrative and it's not the type of story where somebody comes in to do a job and then they find something emotional that distracts them from their job and then they have uh, you know doubts about what they're doing in the first place. It's it's not that template. It's just that this investigation is is just dropped, um, which I don't know, just weird. You also have this movie that, when taking a look at the kind of tough conditions of a nursing home, could be poignant, very much so, and. Probably should have taken that route, especially if they're going to drop the whole investigation act, but it doesn't really get that far. There's one moment that uh, I really, that really hit home where uh, the nurses have to pretend to be this woman's mother, because she never gets any visitors and she doesn't want to feel completely alone. Uh, and there and she's talking on the phone, kind of begging her mom to come visit her, which it's obviously not her mom. And I thought that was really touching. But then everything else just is so weightless in comparison that, you know, I, I really don't know what it was going for uh, in the end. Dick Johnson, as you brought up, uh, is much more focused and is guided with such strong and intentional emotion that I, watching this only only a few months afterwards, really is is a disappointing
0: uh, exercise. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, before, oh, I just wanted to say real quick before Eric goes, I will. I want to agree with you. The only, I want to, being completely honest. Uh, the only the only part of the remover, of the mover of the movie that stuck out to me was that scene um, as well.
2: Um I think the I think the premise as we talked about is just awful. but even more than that, I think it it just becomes clear at least within for me at least within ten minutes of the movie, it became clear that they were this is not like an investigation scandal movie. And I don't know like he goes into this uh, nursing home to seemingly investigate what? Like, it's not very clear, like, this woman who does not really talk to him and just drops it. But even more than that, I talked about this in my letterbox review, but the premise immediately makes this movie either um, trying to make this scandal interesting in a sort of genre convention, narrativizing way, which is problematic in its own right. Uh, or it's played sort of like, I can think of like the Pink Panther or something, or like, you have you ever seen that that comedy movie Spy? Is that Melissa McCarthy? Yeah. It's like yeah, that sort yeah, of yeah. thing where it's like completely weightless. And then he goes in and it becomes uh, like watching these, cute old people, many of which are pretty adorable, interact, but it keeps reminding you that it's in this totally artificial like structure of the incompetent old spy movie. And I also think the movie really pulls punches at the most emotional moments, uh, even more so than, the, I think her name is Marta, who is the woman who uh, has to be reminded of her mother who is dead on the phone, uh, which sort of gets glossed over like much of everything in this movie. Uh, I thought another really touching moment was Sergio's, who is our main character, who is the man infiltrating the nursing home, Sergio's birthday party where he is about to start crying and the camera like, stays on him as you see him be emotional about all these people that he's found that care for him many of whom we never really fully meet because the movie needs to come back to its premise and remind us that he is here to like break a huge scandal but like just as like it literally was like just as that shot was about to get emotional and about to get about to hit hard it cuts away like this movie is like insistent on not being emotional and being like almost entirely surface level. And that just made me so annoyed.
0: Yeah. You know, it, 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 it's just the reality is that, you know, I, I, people are going to watch this or listen to this and, and think that we're ganging up on this movie. And it's just because the reality is, you know, sometimes we get some variety other times (laughs) They just, no, it's true. Sometimes the, none of us click with it. And this is an example, I think, of that. Um, I'm not telling you that this is, is, you know, the worst thing to ever be made. What I'm saying is I'm not 100%. And this is, I want, this is kind of a question I want to pose to you. And it's probably an unfair one because of course we have our own biases and our own opinions. How could you ever answer for someone else? But why do you think this is got, has gotten so much Oscar buzz? And I mean, it's a four, it's a four star. You know, like obviously, again, this is this is an unfair question, and I don't even know if it's answerable. But like, what what about this movie has has earned it so much Oscar buzz and a nomination?
2: I don't want to speak for anyone else and why they like this movie, but lots of terrible movies get Oscar buzz every year. I think <laughs> it's just like a matter of how narratives form. And this is just one that I very much so don't, don't subscribe to. And
1: that's similar to my not at all cynical take that uh, good movies don't really come out anymore. And people are so desperate for a good movie that they'll make one up where it does not exist. And that's going to happen Every year in every category of the Oscars, and this is Exhibit A in the documentary category, or perhaps I
2: don't know.
1: Right? As, as Eric can attest, perhaps Exhibit B to
0: My Octopus Teacher, but I didn't. Mm-hmm. I didn't watch that. Another was the, not oh, good. Oh, uh, I'm interested, Eric. How I many of the wait, documentaries? Wait. How many of the documentaries I, have you seen? There's a very
2: there's a very funny line in the, My Octopus Teacher. It's like um, where the octopus is about to mate with another octopus. And uh, apparently octopuses um, die shortly after they lay eggs. And the line literally goes, and that was the last time we had physical touch. (laughs) But the movie is also hilarious because as he's swimming with the octopus, every couple seconds as he's giving this terrible monologue for the entire movie. Every couple of seconds after like showing you some beautiful shots of the octopus in ocean, it reverse shots to him in this like janky ass wetsuit with like a huge like a huge snorkel in his mouth. Hilarious stuff. Bad movie. Um, but I think about the mole agent, I think it's so annoying because it's so clear that there is emotion under there that they've just completely almost intentionally chosen to gloss over. That I I don't know. I find that almost like unforgivable. Like,
0: I mean, look, I'm not a fan for other reasons of Dick Johnson is dead. But I can tell you what Dick Johnson is dead again, very different film is light years better light years because it carries a lot more impact. I, I just I feel like I just feel like an asshole saying this stuff. But like I watched I sat through that this morning and I just didn't have any reaction. Like, I just didn't feel anything. I didn't, like, I was just like, there was like one moment that stuck out to me. Other than that.
2: Characters in this movie.
0: I don't know, Sergio, you know. I
2: really like Sergio. I think Sergio's cute. He's also, can we talk about Sergio? Sergio's in great shape for an 85 year old. That's, that's true. It's true.
0: Maybe not cognitively, but.
2: I mean, even cognitively, he is.
0: I guess for, for his age. I guess so. Than me. Yeah. yeah. I don't know. I don't know. I, I feel like we're we're piling on this movie. Um I just, you know, it's also, I mean, maybe it's deserved, maybe it's just none of the three of us clicked with it. Um, but you know, I'm I'm curious. I haven't seen any of the other Oscar nominees for best documentary. You know, you said you've seen this teacher.
2: I think I've seen all of them now.
0: And what was your what what one would you say? You think should win?
2: Um, time, time, is-
0: time. I time was the one I was originally interested in. And uh, still haven't gotten around Collective to seeing
2: it. A lot of buzz though. Collective has been getting a lot of buzz for a long time. Now. Have you seen it? Yeah, it's okay. That's one. That's like an investigative journalism movie. That's like depressing. That's so.
0: Let me. Ask, so, do you think this is you know? Before we move on, I, I don't want to tread in this water too much longer. It's not fun for us or probably the listeners. But what what? do you think this is reflective of the documentary category in the Oscars the last several years, or do you think this is reflective of the Oscars as a whole? I mean, do you think there are more movies than not that are being made that are not, you know, and we're not judged during executioner here, but do you think there's a lot more movies that are being made that are not good films, but instead just made for the Oscars or get buzzed because of the Oscars? (laughs)
2: I think it's hard to say in terms of movies in general, just because we don't, just because the fraction of movies we see is so little, but I mean, I thought 2020 was a good year for documentaries. Like, I think it's a, a bit of a travesty that Dick Johnson didn't get a nomination. Or That's even,
0: weird to me. That's really weird to me.
2: Like, that's a Netflix movie too. Or even, um, I thought Boy State, Apple TV's Boy State, I thought that was really good. Um,
0: yeah, and I don't I don't know the process. I don't know the the process that takes place to a movie being nominated. I mean, either way, the or fact like that it done. seems weird to me that a movie like this or even My Octopus Teacher made it over something like Dick Johnson. And again, I don't like, I'm not a huge fan of it. I respect the movie. I just did not, was not my thing for various reasons. But I still don't understand how I didn't get a nominee, um, a nomination. I mean, I get that's a different wholly different story i don't know i just you know i was just bringing up the topic because caleb was kind of talking about it in his maybe cynical um (laughs) opinion of of, (laughs) it's very true i don't know um caleb do you just feel i mean same thing that you said i mean it's
1: not a documentary issue it's it's a movie issue i think since 2018 (laughs) movies have been downhill back Back two years yeah, no, I, I think 2017 was the last like really good year for movies
0: that don't we've had. Don't like that. So what are you saying when you say that? Because obviously we, you know, there's good movies that come out. Are you saying just that the the waters have been muddied? There, like that?
1: there's are there good movies that come out?
0: Are you saying there was no good movies in 2020?
1: No, no I'm 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 kidding, kind of.
0: Uh, I think you you just think the vast majority have lowered. Yeah, it's. I don't want to speak for you. So. Yeah, yeah, it's okay.
2: There's nothing as, like, there's, I haven't seen anything, I guess, since then that's, like, completely changed the way I view movies, if that makes sense. Because I, I can still find stuff from, like, 2015, even, like, now, like, watching a movie from 2015 that I haven't seen, like, The Duke of Burgundy, or, like, Cemetery of Splendor or something that, like, will change the way I look at movies.
1: Yeah. I think the the average movie since 2018 hasn't lived up to years prior, but I do think the average or the praise for the average movie has gone up and that has created a a discord that I think does not really encourage the state of movies to get any better. Um, For example, in 2017 I had seven movies that I rated four stars or higher. And in 2018, 19 and 20 combined, if I'll exclude Hamilton, I think I'll just say stuff that was originally made uh, for the movies. I've had only five movies of four stars or higher. And it's actually just been four stars. Uh, I haven't had a four and a half star movie since 2017. And I've had more four star plus movies in 2017 alone than all the time since then. And I think it trickles all the way down. It's not it's not like there have been a billion movies that are, you know, a, a hair away from four stars either. It's just all the way down. I think the quality is just getting worse.
0: Do you have a, a, a very quickly, I, we could spend a whole podcast episode. Maybe, maybe this is a future idea. Um, not that we want to shit on the Hollywood or Hollywood or anything, but we could, but, um, do you, do you have a reason What do you think there's a reason why or do you just think it is you know it just is how it is
1: um i mean i'm sure there is a reason why um i think just what's becoming popular is is just easy formula uh, stuff mainstream yeah bland. It, it, and it just it takes because it takes less to get a bigger response now uh People are making less in their work, so maybe the the real question to ask is, why does everybody suddenly, maybe not so suddenly, love products that are not at a excellent quality? I think it's also
2: like, I think it feels to me like it's truly harder to do independent filmmaking now than before, too. Yeah, just like you you think it's harder. Something with their phone, but the actual like. Work required to film something on your own, and be able to have the actual resources to make it look professional enough to get it like to get attention from like a studio or or, like at a festival or something. I think that benchmark is higher than at least like mumblecore, like the two thousands. You know, like Mm -hmm. it's harder to like it's harder to make movies. And it's harder, like I like the really like genre and like form shifting stuff is gonna be more independent.
1: And even if those movies are of quality to get seen, that I think studios or distributors are tightening the belt on on what they're going to <laughs> take on and release, and they take on the easy stuff that they know is gonna get praise. That's you know, doesn't dig as deep as what we hope for
2: Tom, Tom and Jerry.
0: <laughs> oh my God. You know,
1: They're I think the money, they
2: don't care.
0: You know, I think this would be an interesting, um, an interesting, maybe we'll have a special podcast episode talking about this. I, I think it's an interesting conversation to have and one we don't have very often, but one that is very relevant. Um, I'm just going to quickly just say, um, my rating, uh, I don't really see a need to continue much more with, um, uh, the film. So I'm just going to say uh, two stars. It's lower. Yes.
2: Mine has lowered too. <laughs> One and a half.
1: Yikes. Uh, last few things I'll have to say. Uh, yeah, I thought Sergio is really cute and I
2: really... his glasses. Yeah.
1: And very charismatic too, which I thought was was a nice uh, thing to watch. Uh, but overall, with the with the awkwardness of the narrative being this whole investigative thing, and with the confusion surrounding, is this a documentary? How are the cameras right here? What's real? What's not? If this movie really had to be made, then I don't know why it was not a narrative drama. I don't know why documentary was chosen for this movie. I think there's a lot more potential for emotional storytelling uh, and investigation, not into the investigation that occurred into movie, but investigation to the emotions of these people uh, who are kind of living out the ends of their lives alone. I think there's a lot more potential there with a cleaner, more powerful story. If this had just been fictionalized.
2: You know, this is my last thing on this, but the whole camera thing where like we're being watched, or like the mics going on, like yeah. on the pop, like that is probably the most pretentious thing I've seen in a long time. Simply because of how useless it is and how, yeah, just how shoehorned and uncomfortable and how not I wouldn't say uncomfortable because I feel like that's giving it a lot of credit. Stupid. I'm gonna go with stupid. There you go. Not everyone can be a boss.
0: Two stars. All right. Well, let's take a trip back to a year good movies were made, uh, 2001. And Eric, would you like to introduce The Man Who Wasn't There?
2: I would. Uh, The Man Who Wasn't There is the 2001 film from the Coen Brothers, who because I have to say this once every podcast. No, no, That year, won Best Director at Cannes in a shared prize with David Lynch from Mulholland Drive. Um, And The Man Who Isn't There is sort of the Coen's take on a classic Hollywood noir. Uh, Billy Bob Thornton plays the lead role of Ed Crane, who is a barber. And he suspects that his wife, played by Frances McDormand, is having an affair with uh, this man named Big Dave Brewster who's played by soprano star James Gandolfini. And he decides one day to blackmail Big Dave and ask for $10,000 to go in a business deal with this con man, let's just say. And suddenly that snowballs into a web of murder, lies, UFOs, pedophilia with Scarlett Johansson, all the the weird Cohen stuff. Um, It's all shot in black and white by Roger Deakins with um, a beautiful score by Carter Burwell, as well as some great Beethoven. And, yeah, I think it's, I I personally think it's maybe my favorite movie of theirs, uh, pending our rewatch of Inside Llewyn Davis. I think it's just incredible. Um, I think it's an incredible story of Billy Bob Thornton as this um, repressed, sort of introverted, slightly pathetic barber man who struggles to express himself, and when he does, it just in typical Cohen's fashion, goes terribly wrong.
0: Yeah, I'm excited to talk about this. Um, I, I enjoyed this film immensely. Um, I, I think this, I think Ed Crane, played by Billy Bob Thornton, is the ideal um, Cohen Brothers protagonist um, in a lot of ways. And I really enjoy this. Fun fact, too, you probably already knew this, I didn't realize the, the it was actually shot in color and then converted to black and white. So interested, interesting why they chose that. Um, I'm not really sure on, on like, you know, how often films are originally shot in color and then post made into black and white. Um, if there was maybe they, they didn't they weren't, he wasn't sure or they weren't sure. I, think I don't know. They're
2: definitely planning on doing it in black and white because. Okay. Like in The color version are the color work is just not it's not yeah okay interesting like it's meant yeah. to be not like expressionistic black and white
0: yeah this is um this one I feel like of what I've seen from the Coen brothers this one was the most like existential um definitely the most you know uh like overall I thought it was it in some ways was the most calm Like I didn't, I didn't, you know, there was a lot that happened, you know, murder, pedophilia, all this, all this crazy shit. But at the same time, compared to even Barton Fink, there was no, I mean, Barton Fink had some pretty absurd things in the second half. But I was talking about how last week Barton Fink didn't feel like uh, a Coen Brothers movie. And then I was then like, you were like, oh, this, this, this. Okay. Yeah, you're right. I didn't feel the, that big agent of chaos in this one. Um, you know, like I didn't feel as like there was ever like a huge thing. I guess you know there was the you know the twist, um especially towards the end, but <laughs> I don't I, I don't know was there I mean, was it as chaotic as usual for you think Cohen Brother films
2: Um, I mean there's the uFO but that's I, true I, I, that's I, I, true I saying it's more um. Like I think the absurd touches are still there, especially in the dialogue. They're definitely just,
0: not in your face, I feel sort of like GTA, I don't know.,
2: that sort of happens in like of a la blood simple. um I wouldn't say it's at like as like outright surreal, but yeah, I, I would agree
0: so okay, let's start with the protagonist then let's work our way kind of through this. we you know we we've kind of gotten used to the trope. um Caleb, what did you think about? ed crane about his character and billy bob thornton's performance you know it's very very cold but i'm interested in what you have to say because i feel like despite it being cold it's much different than say that of um i forgot his name from miller's crossing um tom reagan yes tom reagan so i'm curious what you think i loved me some billy bob i thought he was
1: terrific and uh... Yeah, I think that, that Crane is... I really liked how straightforward he was uh, and how the Coens didn't feel the need to uh, dramatize him because his character is so repressed, is so silent that they didn't... I they, they only really contrived... Uh, emotion emotion from him in the uh in the voiceover which I did not like uh through the entirety of the film even though you know it ties into the plot at the end when you know he's writing for the magazine I, I if the thing of the voiceover had been cut out I might actually bump this a half star but uh overall uh I think he's just He's the man who wasn't there and he's characterized by what is missing. And I think it works in this movie because that's what it's about. And if you go back to Miller's crossing, when we found Tom Reagan to be somewhat opaque uh, and then they asked for, you know, an emotional reaction at the end of the movie, it, it was hard to find because the movie was really not about how Reagan was opaque not in the same emotional way that the man who wasn't there is about uh ed crane and so i thought they did a really good job there and were able to to draw uh some feeling from the absence of fuel
2: yeah i fully agree i think the scenes that unlock this for me are after um spoiler alert, after Frances McDormand goes to jail and unfortunately hangs herself after getting, uh, like during her trial or during her murder trial, which she did not commit. Um, I guess spoiler alert too, Billy Bob Thornton kills James Gandolfini and um, he goes to Scarlett Johansson's um, birdie and basically he says that he wants to fund her piano lessons. She's somewhat of a talented young pianist. Um, because he needs, he says he feels like he needs to do things and express his appreciation and love for other people while he still can. And oh no, that's what really got me. And this ties into the actual piano lesson where the man, the piano teacher, tells. Um, tells Billy Bob Thornton that he can't take Scarlett Johansson and as someone who is still somewhat of a classical musician and like was very serious in it before like the first thing you notice about Scarlett Johansson's playing is that as beautiful as it sounds which I'm pretty sure she did not play um she really does seem to have no emotion when she's playing and I think the dichotomy of this piano teacher saying that he can't teach Scarlett Johansson to have a soul while we can clearly see that Billy Bob Thornton can see the soul inside her seemingly soulless playing is like exactly what really moves me about this movie like what he sees in her and her playing is exactly the same struggle that he sees in himself um and also I'm a sucker for classical music especially some good Beethoven sonatas and the Beethoven piano trio that was in the beginning of the movie at the opening credits.
0: Yeah, I want to say this is a preface. um, This is easily my favorite score um, so far from a Cohen film that I've seen. Um, I really enjoyed it. Um, Like it, it, I I was constantly reminded of it, but not taken out of the film by it. Um, So that's just a little nod to that. Um, I think you know, I, I differ than Caleb. I actually did like the voiceover, um, the, the, the kind of dryness and narrative, um, aspect of it. I, I do have a little bit of an issue with the last couple minutes of the film and how it did it. Um, I thought it was a little, maybe not predictable, but cheesy. I, I don't know what the word is, but I, I, it was a little bit, I don't know. It was it, it how do why don't we why don't we go there why, how did you guys feel about the ending specifically kind of the last couple of minutes when you know the, the you know the you know the kind of the hood's pulled up and it's like you know uh you know th- this has actually been kind of a more of a reflection the entire time he's been writing this um you know he's on death row spoiler alert and he is writing this kind of uh for the magazine about everything that happened and then he gets sentenced you know then he gets put to death how did you guys feel about the last you know section of the film after you know he is found guilty of murdering the the, ironically the guy that he didn't actually murder
2: um i don't know i i'm just gonna gush about this movie i really liked it i liked how it fed into how resigned the voiceover feels like I guess to go to Caleb's point about not liking the voiceover, I guess I can't remember it, remember much of it too well. Not many lines from that stick in my head, but I liked how somber it was just inflection wise. And I I keep saying this as like a musical instrument on its own, just like as part of the rhythm of the movie. Um, And I think his final lines where he talks about wanting to see um, his wife Doris in the afterlife is, really moving I also think the ending is just so beautifully shot like so much of this movie is beautiful blacks um and beautiful shadows and the ending of this movie where his emotions are finally all laid bare is so so like bright like glaringly bright I, I think it's I think it's sort of beautiful um and I not to harp too much on the music too I think like going back all the Beethoven, like with what I sort of said about um, how all the Beethoven in the background is sort of representative or evocative of his internal struggle to express himself, just retroactively also makes so much of this movie just feel even better to me that like, not only is this music um, in the background, not only does it sound great and fit the mood, it also is, so thematically intertwined which i feel like is something we rarely see for non for like non like originally composed scores
0: yeah i, I guess i'll real quick just say because i know i know caleb is uh gonna say this real real quick uh or gonna go um i just want to say that i i'm like in between i i i enjoyed the ending i thought it was i really it liked a lot of like what was happening but I also had this just I don't know I just had this weird thing in the back of my head that it felt a little I don't know what the word is but whether it was out of place cheesy convenient I don't I can't I can't for completely reason. navigate it but <laughs> I it just felt what did you what did you say
2: hey Zach I have a question for you what's up have you checked your disposal recently
0: oh my gosh all right well Caleb what do you
1: think uh yeah I I like the ending as well Uh, I'm usually not a fan of dream sequences, but I loved uh, when Ed wakes up and the prison door is open and he can just walk outside and, you know, there's an air of uncertainty for sure, but for just those few moments, he's free until he wakes up again. And of course he was never free and there was never any chance for him to be free. And just just the, that brief interlude, I don't know, makes everything feel, makes the whole story uh, feel so necessary in that it had to end up where it does and that there is never really any hope for him at least once he decided to try and break out of the trap that he was living in. And I thought that was that was really touching.
2: Yeah, what did you guys think of the dream sequence or flashback that happens mid car crash when he the car is flying yeah. in the air and suddenly we see Billy Bob Thornton standing outside his door as a door-to-door salesman comes and tries to pitch to him. And Francis McDormand comes home, uh, tells the door-to-door salesman off, and the scene ends with the two of them sitting side-by-side on the couch before we get back to the hospital. What'd you guys think of that? Yeah, I... If I'm being completely
0: honest, I, I, I don't think I've spent enough time with this film, having it, you know, letting it settle to to know maybe why it exists but i did like it um i thought it definitely threw me off for a second i thought i was tripping i was like what oh what oh and then um yeah i don't I, i'm not sure you know i know you didn't really ask me, but, you know why is it there i i haven't really grappled with that but it definitely sticks out to me
1: it, it's funny uh the dream sequence uh where where he walks out of the prison that's something that to me probably would not work well on paper but i think is a great addition to the movie whereas this flashback that you know just shows a more simple time for them that kind of puts into perspective the events that uh, at least in a temporal sense follow it uh that I think that's something that to me would work on paper and be really sharp. And yet I didn't really connect with it uh, in its execution. I think if, and I think that that's probably something that's probably a specific moment that is likely to uh, sweeten on, on a rewatch, especially because it is intentionally kind of jarring. Um, But I think if that moment had worked better for me, then that's another thing that could have uh, made enough fall into place more perfectly that uh, that's another spot where I could see myself raising the entire film score a a half star for.
2: Yeah, I think it's really the only scene in my mind that sticks out as something that really, really, like, surprised me. As Caleb said, it's pretty jarring and I I do I do sort of agree that I I understand it in theory but I'm still struggling with it in execution um uh, but at that point I had, I was already so just like completely taken with the movie that like I just sort of liked being surprised in that sense especially since it worked in like logically um but if it hits emotionally we'll see because who <laughs>
0: So let's talk about let's talk about the cast. Um this was a pretty stacked cast overall and there was I I really enjoyed all the different characters. Um I really thought um and I'm interested in how what you guys think about this, but I really uh felt as though um uh is it Tony Shah Shahub Shah I don't know how to say his name. Um, the guy who played uh, oh, the, the lawyer, lawyer. Freddie Schneider. <laughs> wow, well, I'm I'm butchering this. I thought his presence in the film was amazing. I I loved his character so much. I'll be honest, he kind of stole it for me. Um, and maybe it's because I have a little affinity for um, you know, this the lawyer law, you know, aspect of things. But I thought his character, whenever he was in, whenever he was on. Uh, camera was constantly taking all the energy and attention away Um, and I thought that was great Um, I thought Frances McDormand did a good job I thought I, I, I thought I would connect with her character a little bit more and I didn't like she she comes off as this very like I don't know how would you describe her character
2: Um, how would you describe doris but she's very i don't know i think she's someone who's very self-assured and very
0: confident she very much doesn't really care about her effect like i mean there's the scene with the salesman the scene i mean the scenes with her and her husband i mean she's very much a very like confident and not i don't know if not caring is the right word but she's like very dismissive of other people's feelings in some extent. I didn't
2: think she um, was dismissive, to be honest.
0: Well, I mean, how would you describe her relationship? I mean, like, you know, that her her interactions with most of the characters besides, honestly, you know, Big Dave seem to be that of someone disinterested. Uh,
1: it, it's hard to judge. I think the further I get away from this movie, the less I consider her character i think she's actually a very small part of this both uh, in the i don't know, in the feeling of the story and literally i think this is nearly a two-hour movie and i'd be surprised if she had even 15 minutes of screen time in this the now that i think about it um I think she. The further I get away from this, the more she feels to me like a narrative piece more than a.
2: he's just an object for Billy Bob Thornton to express his repression. Yeah, I think so.
1: Know? And so to to counter him, she. I think it's just like you know he's quiet and repressed. She's uh more extroverted and you know get, gets mind. what she wants. Yeah. yeah. Like I, I well, like I
2: think the idea in the flashback is that. He doesn't want to be talking to, like, he is repressing himself from telling the door-to-door salesman off, but Frances McDormand is the one that saves him. You know what I mean? Like, mm-hmm. like it's not that she's dismissive. She's just upfront about what she wants and how she feels. Um,
0: so, so let me ask you this question, um, kind of sw- switching topics a little bit. Was there any secondary character, any minor character that stood out to you? You know, any acting performance or just character that you really kind of connected with besides uh, Ed Crane and and Billy Bob Thornton? You know, his, his performance.
2: Um, I thought I agree. I thought the lawyer was funny. He also has a line that really sticks out to me. It's like the whole thing where, um, I guess, the part that sticks out to me is that like the facts have no meaning, which is another. Yes, simple line that summarizes about like a lot about how how much emotion is rolling beneath like Billy Bob Thornton's introverted surface um and I didn't think he stole the show per se but I thought in this movie especially all those absurdist elements in the dialogue in the characters in the like intertwining relationships and confusion honestly about all these murders going on I never thought it overshadowed any of the emotional stuff that was going on. Whereas in a lot of the other movies, I, I definitely get that sense. And that's not something that I am personally as interested in. Um, but I did, I did really like him. I liked how fast he talked. I thought that was funny. And I also liked how every time he would go to the restaurant, he would just be eating obscene amounts of food. I thought that was hilarious.
0: Caleb, was there any character that really stood out to you?
1: Yeah, no, that was the supporting standout for me as well. Uh, but this is Billy Bob's show. He he it is he took it and ran with it.
2: And it's Roger Deacon's show. That's what I'm gonna say. It's it's good. this this and movie Roger is this I gotta is to say this movie. I think this is like I think this is his best work.
0: This this film is is like beautiful. Like I'm I'll just like be honest. Like I don't know. I just like I was just watching it and like there were just times where I was like, this movie just feels good, like it just like yeah, is shot really really well which i know is so
2: a nice. vague
0: way of saying it but like there's just even some simple things like there was this one that this, this 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 keeps standing out to me and maybe it's cheesy maybe it's so insignificant in the grand scheme of things but there's the scene where uh billy bob thornton is grabbing the ten thousand dollars out of the trash can and the camera outside is looking into the window and then it raises to the second floor as he's coming up the stairs. And it's so simple, but just feels so good to be watching. I don't know. It's just shot so very well. Um,
2: I mean, that's the sort of like a distinctly modern, but never seems to overshadow the general like pastiche that the Coens are going for with the Hollywood noir. I, I mean the, expressionistic light work in this is just so beautiful and so i said it before so lush and i I find it sort of somber as well
0: and you mentioned this eric
2: like as a mood piece um a mood piece that like also really fits my personal movie watching aesthetic i think it may be like the only cohen's brother movie that really really like fits into like audiovisually, like the type of movies that i would normally really gravitate towards so i thought that was really refreshing to see
0: yeah and uh, you mentioned this a bit too i was going to say that just the uh, uh, you know i'm still thinking about it too the the ending the the how the the lighting is and how how i mean glowing like that room is and the white and black uh, offsetting each other it's just a really it's, it it it's so intriguing that i still don't I'll say this a lot, but like, I still don't know completely why, but it, it, it leaves some type of thoughts in my head. Um, so, you know, I, I know we all feel differently about this, but Eric and Caleb, I want, I want to try something, Eric, I want you to tell me why this is one of the best or better Coen brother films. And I want Caleb to tell me why it isn't like what it's missing for me it could be for you i mean obviously it's gonna be your your opinion but what do you think eric this does really really well to be as i think you said before one of your favorite if not your favorite Cohen brother film and then caleb why isn't this for that for you
2: um i think it's just every single person working at the top of their game i think this is their best looking movie and i already waxed some about the score, but I think more than anything, this is just to me, one of their most emotional movies. Um, like all of their normal absurdism, their like sort of pitiful, mundane male character tropes. It's all in tandem going in service of this larger, um, I guess this larger, feeling of sort of somber sort of cathartic in a way like he sort of enjoys like sitting in his repression even though it makes him sad you know if like I feel like that goes into how beautiful it looks it goes into this mood so well and I don't know it it, it's also I guess for me it's like a genre I really like um I think it's their best work because it's all going towards this Emotional goal, whereas I feel like a lot of Coen Brothers movies work in like allegory and structure and absurdist, like comedic writing. Whereas this one, all of that, I I don't think this movie necessarily loses this sense of I think Shakespeare, Caleb called Blood Simple sort of Shakespearean. I don't think this loses that sense of like that Shakespearean tragic quality to it, but it's going in service of something that's beautiful, lush emotional and modern in a way that sort of harkens back to the past um, and God is just so sad. <laughs> it, it overwhelmed me.
1: Zach, I'm sorry to disappoint, but of the Coen brothers movies I've seen, I think this is one of their best. I think this for me is alone in a tear with Blood Simple. Um I think the things that hold it back for me are just kind of small peculiarities. Uh, as I've mentioned, the voiceover. Uh, I think the the that flashback is a crux that didn't quite land with me. I could probably do without the UFO stuff. Um, maybe the biggest fundamental difference or gap between me and Eric. Uh, I think, as Eric said, this is. A genre that he really likes, and for me, it's something that I can work with, but it's not necessarily my favorite. If it had been a more straightforward drama, instead, uh, my guess is I would have liked it a little more. But you know, that's that's operating at a purely subjective level. Um, I think I probably didn't get as much feeling as this, uh, from this as Eric did, but, uh, I still felt it a lot and, and more than most of their work. And, uh, well, I, uh, as I said, it's from what I've seen their second best effort.
2: (laughs) I mean, I just want to say, I I guess
0: I spoke too soon. Oh, go ahead. Sorry.
2: I think so much of this movie is about like the abstract, being able to express emotions so much more clearly sometimes than words and I guess in this case, overt action can. And I I find that idea and the way it reverts backwards through the movie and especially through the medium of like classical music, something that I really thought was very moving. I thought that I responded to that. That's something I like, especially movies with classical music. I, I always respond to them.
1: Yeah, And just let me clarify for a second. When I said straightforward drama, I didn't really mean straightforward. I just meant more of the, the drama in the typical sense, but not, I, to, to remove the, the, the abstract or the surreal or the classical music, I, I would not dare suggest. <laughs>
0: Yeah. Freezer, if you said that. Oh my gosh! I guess yeah. What I'll say is, I yeah, I really enjoyed this as well. Um, overall, I guess I spoke too soon on Caleb. Um, I for some reason I did, I thought he was not a huge fan, but um, yeah, I I think to me this is also my second favorite Coen Brothers film so far. I feel like I'm getting up there in the numbers. Like this is seven or eight I've seen, um, and. Yeah, I really enjoyed it. Um, I thought it, it it hit a lot of marks for me as well. Um, I guess this is me giving my final review, um, and I I think this is a, this is a movie that I have to spend time with. I think this is a movie I really need to spend time with. I think I'd be doing it injustice to not sit with it longer. And definitely I'd be doing it injustice to not come back to it at a later time of all the Coen brothers films I've watched so far. I think this actually is the one that, that grabs and holds my attention a little bit more because I think I tend to also shift in Eric's direction with the genre or, or tend to, uh, uh, uh tend to feel grabbed by that genre. Um, but, uh, it still, still isn't, uh, Still isn't uh, Raising Arizona for me. Uh, But either way, uh, I I think I give this four stars. Uh, Yeah,
1: it's funny. I'm usually not a person to be like, oh yeah, I'll probably like this more in a rewatch. I should rewatch this. I I feel my opinions are usually close to fully formed after one viewing. But I find myself with these Coen Brothers movies uh going against the grain and this is something that alas uh deserves a rewatch and uh has a chance to go up uh but for now with those little problems i have uh the man who wasn't there for me sits at almost a four but a three and a (laughs) half
2: well I think this might be the first time I've liked the movie the most out of the three of us. Actually, yeah, that's probably false.
0: I, that's not always. true. It's, it's it definitely happened. Probably.
2: But, um, I already said a lot about this movie. I, I guess in the days since we've seen it, it's just grown uh, in esteem in my brain. Has I, it?
0: Uh, has it? Has it grown like hair?
2: It's growing like a bamboo. It's
0: growing
1: like mold in a freezer I hate you
2: it's growing like gray mold on Caleb's freshman year strawberries that's what I'm gonna say oh God. <laughs> that's coarse. it's growing like the number of Chester sequels we had last last year Chester the rat um I think to me this is one of the Coen's most emotionally accessible movies I think that's why I like it so much it feels very empathetic to me, in a way that a lot of their other movies feel sort of cold, like they're like playing God with like all of their characters. Um, even though this doesn't necessarily do away with that, but I think it's really the classical music that got me, guys. <laughs> it's the classical music. I love, I I love all I love all these pieces. So I much. knew it. Um, but uh, seeing how Inside Luan Davis goes, which is as of now my favorite coen brothers movie this is right up there um are you expecting to lower inside lewin davis there's a section of inside i'm not i don't want to spoil it right now but there's a section of inside lewin davis with john goodman that has not stuck with me as much um has not grown as much in esteem in my brain as much as many other sections of that movie have there are sections of the movie that just wrecked me but Um, this is right up there. Um, and I'm giving it, I think it's my very first one in this podcast. It's my first four and a half star rating.
0: Wow. We are blessed. We are blessed with that four and a half. One day we'll get a five star one day. When will that day be? We don't know.
2: Um,
0: I've definitely given a five-star. Well, we, technically we've all given a five-star when we've talked about our five-star films, but I don't know. C- Caleb, have you ever given a like a, a podcast, a movie that we've reviewed? Yeah. Have Caleb you ever given, given a,
2: five stars?
0: I don't know when the, it definitely hasn't since we've Four been months. doing the podcast. And but you haven't either, Eric, out. right?
2: Hamilton, we're not counting Hamilton.
0: You have not either, Eric, for a movie we've we bought we've reviewed on the podcast. No. I definitely have. Yeah, I have many times. Scary than you can see a five star. I definitely have. I I definitely have, and then re, then lowered it many times. I think I've been on this podcast yes. and said this is a five star film, and then two days later lowered it to four and a half. Um, so I am a hypocrite. So <laughs> come after me. Um, but uh, yeah, we're almost there. Are we? Are we? Is this our last Coen Brothers film? Then coming up, or two yeah, more?
2: Yeah, Davis. One
0: more. Last one. Uh, I still have many more to see. I'm, I've never seen Fargo. Um, Fargo's I want re- to revisit The Big Lebowski. Um, I want to revisit True Grit. Um, but I'm excited for Inside Loon Davis. I'm, I'm. This is the most pumped I've been for a movie in a long time. So my expectations are high. I'll be honest. I haven't um, little
2: disappointed in a Cohen's Marathon until this movie, to be honest.
0: Well, I don't know. I don't know. But I'm excited but i'm excited to see where we go from here in. well it's been fun boys and uh i'm happy that we got to do this on a on a friday night like uh like we're supposed to and uh <laughs> until until next week check your thanks freeze for, thanks for watching